Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm Dan, and I play Azorius Control. And we can't talk about it here. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm fine. I just got done with a two-hour podcast where uh, I sat down with our good friend Nick to talk about chicken tikka masala, uh, where we also had a miscommunication countdown style where I uh, understood the format as one thing and then nick meant it as another thing so that led to <laughs> fun fun stuff and by fun fun stuff i that mean sounds we, like fun stuff we we talked for for two hours while i cooked a dish uh so i'm sure my audio quality is is fucking terrible also i didn't swear for two hours so i need to get get it out so if i'm extra sweary today that's why glad to hear it how are you friend I don't know. I've been better. I'm kind of going through it. I had a a very challenging work week, um, which I'm still in the middle of because uh, I have an atypical work schedule. But right. As you know, I work in a, a lumber yard mm-hmm. and uh, I had a guy today who uh, thought that he could fit a, a 10 foot board into his Audi hatchback. Okay. I was like, I I kind of doubt it, but, you know, you're welcome to try. And he uh, put it in there and and put it up against the windshield and tried to shut the door and popped his windshield. And, of course, uh, went home and, uh, you know, threw me under the bus to make his wife not be so angry and said that I did it and broke his windshield. Uh, so now it's a whole thing. What a fucking dirtbag fuck that guy if you're that guy and you listen to that this show go fuck yourself yeah i don't know like to be fair i i probably should have been more adamant like hey i don't think this is gonna work like don't force it you know if it's not just gonna fit right but like also like he clearly just didn't want his wife to be mad at him. And like, right. it was, it was a total called shot. Cause like, as soon as he left, I said to my coworker, like, you know what? It's like a little Audi hatchback. Like it's probably his wife's car and she's probably going to be very mad about it. <laughs> and she is. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll share my work story, uh, which, uh, isn't my fault. I'm going to start with that. This is this whole situation is not my fault, uh, and there's very little I could have done to rectify it, if anything, actually. So uh, you you know about that 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 storm in the lower part of the the U.S. that you know kind of shut down like Texas and all those other states mm-hmm. for a while. So we had uh, an employee who was played p- placed on parental leave, uh, paid parental leave, but. We didn't find out, or I didn't find out about it until afterwards, like, until after the pay date hit. So I had to pay him, basically, for hours work that we missed, that he didn't get paid for because he's salaried, 
Uh, and for some reason, the system goes whenever someone goes on a leave, uh, and if they don't have like specific hours worked, it just is like, oh, they're on a leave for the whole pay period, even if it was like the last day they went on leave for. So I had to pay him 32 yeah. hours of work and then 40 hours of parental leave. And I FedExed it overnight from our location in North Carolina to California because that's how it works. But because of the winter storm, uh, that package has not left Memphis, Tennessee since September 19th. Jesus. So uh, the guy then proceeded to put me on blast by saying corporate payroll decided to send my check overnight or like mail my check uh, as opposed to just giving me a direct deposit. And I, I, I wrote out some stuff and I was, I, I sent it to my coworker and I'm like, Hey, you're good at this at, at determining if people sound like assholes in emails. Can you tell me how much of an asshole I sound like? Cause I'm about to lose my <laughs> shit on this guy. The most aggressive thing you can say in an email is, as I said in my last email. Well, the thing is, I I spoke with the guy, so I I should have just said as I said to you per our, or like as I said to you per our phone conversation, which like per our anything also triggers me in work emails. But I mm -hmm. should have said as I said during our call or per my call with you, uh, I didn't decide to do that. I can't. I physically can't send you a direct deposit unless I send it with a payroll. Uh, and you're a biweekly person. We sent biweekly last week, so I can't doing a whole payroll run for you uh second of all a fucking freak storm happened and shut down the entire country it's not my fault that this happened go fuck yourself uh except i said it much more nicely and my co-worker was like hey maybe just take out the whole freak storm part and i went okay fine but uh, eventually the man got his check i found a workaround everything's fine now but i i was it, it was on a friday too like, it was Friday at 4, like, I'm getting ready to leave because I went into the office because I missed my Thursday because everyone was like, Dan, uh, stay home. It's 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 icy out. I'm like, but I'm from Pittsburgh. And they're like, no, 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 stay home. And then the next day, everyone's like, did you go into the office? Because, like, nothing happened. Then I'm like, no, my boss, my boss's boss, and my boss's boss's boss told me explicitly to stay home. So I stayed home. And it was like, Oh, I'm surprised you didn't go in the office. I'm like, I fucking hate you people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. The thing is, we have new cover sheets for all TPS reports. So I went in Friday instead. And so the last hour of my Friday was just stewing over that email. Just being like, this motherfucker thinks I chose to like destroy his life. I hate this man. I want him dead. That's ridiculous. Um. I don't know. We have a little bit of bookkeeping up front on the show. So uh, you were on table for two with Nikolai's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about that a little bit. Uh, that sounds cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it will only be like 20, 30 minutes. Nick's going to edit it down. And then if you're a patron of a show, you'll get the full thing, most likely, which uh, I hope you enjoy two hour podcasts. Yeah. Um, also, the... Lord of the Rings primer for me making Gerald watch the Lord of the Rings movies for the first time is up on our Patreon. Uh, so we don't talk about the movies. It's me getting ready to talk about the movies with him. So if you want to hear me nerd out about uh, the Lord of the Rings and like the entire like annotated history of Middle Earth, uh, give us a dollar and you can hear it. Uh, we also got... 
some screeners for mm-hmm. Pacific Rim the Black. Uh, so we did a, a spoiler-free preview, like pre-review, which also exists. Yeah, that came out on Friday. Uh, I don't know what the stats are on that yet, but or not Friday, Saturday. That released uh, Saturday, so check it out if you haven't already. It's in your feed if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, I'm excited for that show. Um, what we got to see of it was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and the last order of business is uh, on the last episode, we spent 14 minutes talking about Magic the <laughs> Gathering, which is, for some reason, it, it all made it into the episode. It just it just was out there. People were probably very mad. Uh, your Ashley was very mad and yes, said we're not Ashley. allowed to talk about Magic on the show anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, me, and Bill are starting a Magic the Gathering podcast where we can just get it out of our system and not worry about it. Yeah. Uh, it's called Stacking Triggers. It's launching very soon. Yep. Or it might be out already, depending on how, how I feel. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I still have to like submit it to other places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so uh, bear with me it, Like, if the only place you can listen to it is on our website. It'll get there. It'll get there. It, it's a new podcast and therefore it takes time to get everywhere else. But Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the, the two places where you can expect it as soon as possible. Yeah, man. Ashley was just big mad. She was big mad. Also, regarding the uh, the 14 minutes of Magic the Gathering talk, I found it all interesting. So I just left it in the show. Like I cut out some stop starts yeah. and some ums. But other than that, like I thought, I thought it was all interesting. I thought you guys might enjoy it. And uh, my girlfriend didn't, so, you know. It's fine to have hobbies. The banter segment is for that. They're yeah. not all going to be zingers, so. Uh, but us talking about uh, not being able to talk about magic and starting a magic podcast brings us to our first segment. Toss a beer to your Caleb. Five-minute <laughs> adventures. Five-minute adventures is, for some reason, a short-form actual play role-playing podcast that's sandwiched into a movie and TV review, TV review show. On this week's exciting episode, you're a lone wanderer who has been gifted the incredible power of magic from a group of coastal wizards known as The Gathering. Your mission (laughs) is to track down and destroy the one who would ruin everyone's enjoyment of the wonderful gifts of magic, a monster known as the Schlee Stack. You've tracked the she-beast to her cave, around which are strewn the torn and discarded remnants of the once-beautiful black lotus flowers that grew there. The gaping maw of the cave looms before you, and you hear a faint growling sound from within. A rogue in a fedora stands guard outside. Clearly, he has never had sex. (laughs) There's just so many layers to this already. Oh man! Uh, mainly because I call anybody who plays the the Mill Rogue deck virgins, so th- that's perfect. Oh, I love you so much. Uh, I approach I approach the Virgin Rogue and call him a virgin. Yeah, uh, he tips his fedora and he says, mm, "You cannot get in to see Milady. You must leave." I I, I guess what what even beats? I guess. Uh, I call I, I I like summon forth like this giant green creature. It's like a six six with uh, trample indestructible <laughs> and and fucking with it. Oh, you summon the elder Gargaroth. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Wait, I, I I made up those stats and those specific things, but you know whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah. He summons uh, 
an ooze which begins scavenging around the area, and your creature just uh, stomps right through it, and uh, he runs away and goes, and, and my response is, wow, what removal can do for you? <laughs> uh, and, that, and now I go into the, to the cavern to uh, find the Schlee stacker. Okay. Within the opening of the cave, uh, you see uh, a giant two-headed dog snoring away there. Uh, it is the <laughs> fell beast Anyang, loyal defender of the Shli stack. So, fortunately, I have run into the Anyang before, and I know the Anyang's one true weakness. Uh, I, make, I make my way around to its hindquarters and start scratching its butt. The, the beast seems pleased, and... Uh, Attempts to start licking you to death. I say, uh, no, don't do that. I saw you try to eat poop this morning, and I don't need this in my life. Uh, the beast whimpers. <laughs> she, I bet she goes, horror. <laughs> because this, this is all around my life. But our, our, my dog, Anyang, uh, who is Ashley's dog, Anyang, uh, in the morning, whenever we're not up by like six thirty to feed her, she goes how really loud, so that way we wake up <laughs> in order to feed her food. Uh, and then, y- you know, uh, it's it's the worst. I hate it, and it's the number one reason I wake up at six o'clock in the morning now because I this dog is a monster. Uh, I I give her I guess some food and then move on with my life. Okay. Uh, the, the beast falls back into a, a fitful slumber. All right, uh, let's keep going. All right. Um, from out of the shadows steps the Schlee stack. Uh, she has snakes for hair, and she says, You wasted 14 minutes of my life talking about this stupid <laughs> magic. I don't know how to use the show, the timestamps are in the goddamn show notes. Uh... uh. Uh, I pull, I pull out of my pocket this device that is that looks like a phone but isn't a phone, and then I navigate to uh, the Netflix and Spell podcast, and then uh, show her how to get to the show notes portion on her smartphone. She's like, "Oh, cool, thanks, bro." She says, uh, "I don't care. I'm mad. Uh, <laughs> something about Real Housewives." <laughs> uh. I quote something back from Real Housewives at her, uh, which is, uh, it's Ramona saying, you have to be effing kidding me. Uh, you guys talk about Real Housewives for a while, and then she forgets that she's mad about it. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I, I assume I've won at this point, or at yeah, least, you I'm know, out of jokes. put it off. Okay. Well, I didn't. Uh, I busted out my dice for no reason. This sucks. Whatever. Uh, I'm rolling once to see what happens. Uh, Sixteen. I, I I critically defeated my girlfriend in arm combat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very good. You won. Uh, the power of magic is uh, safe for all time. Uh, you re- you reach a compromise, which is you know keeping magic in its own space uh, and not polluting. The show that she's interested in. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, she's dude. If you thought she was big mad at magic, she's gonna be big mad at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I told her that she would be, because I told her that this segment was coming back. Yep. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, in what will probably be my last episode based off of life and everything else, uh, it's time to get into what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. Uh, I am drinking Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Uh, and I'm excited because I finally taught myself how to flick a bottle cap like Johnny Lawrence. Oh, look at you. Now you just got to get a Coors Banquet beer. Yeah. They don't have it at the gas station that's on my way home, so. That sucks. Well, it doesn't suck. It's, it's, that's probably fine, but. What do you it have? Sucks. Uh, gin and tonic. It's the last of my Tanqueray Rangpour. That I bought for myself. So I am now down to uh, the Bombay London Dry Gin that uh, Ashley's dad got for me for Christmas, which is fine. I've had it before. It's good gin. But it's no Bombay Sapphire and it's no Tanqueray Rangpur. But it's up there, and I enjoy it. All right. Uh, and with that, let's get into some Netflix news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right. Uh, our story is that Netflix has acquired the production rights to the entire Redwall series. Redwall, for those of you who are unaware, which is me as well, uh, is uh, based off of a, a, a mouse who I guess is a knight? I don't know. Uh, Caleb, do you know okay. anything about this? I do not. I'm looking at the link now. I'm waiting for the webpage to load. Uh, it's a cute little mouse with a sword and shield, and he's wearing some sort of cloak. Okay, I'm into this. Oh, and uh, the sc- the screenplay is being written by uh, Patrick McHale, who uh, was the creator of Cartoon Network's uh, Over the Garden Wall. So that's cool. No, yeah. the current plan is to do a-, a feature film and then an event TV series. So uh, I assume the the feature film will be to you know establish the universe, get everybody involved and interested and then uh continue the character with you know shorter form episodes. Kind of like what they did with Justice League uh in the 2000s on Cartoon Network. All right. Well, hopefully it doesn't get Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That one's still the most baffling. Like literally the night before it's like, "Hey, it won an award." It's like, "Cool, fuck you anyway." Uh and that brings us into Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Our first trailer is for The Irregulars. Meet The Irregulars at 221B Baker Street on March 26th. Welcome to 19th century London, where The Irregulars, a group of misfits, work to solve supernatural crimes at the behest of Dr. Watson and his elusive partner, Sherlock Holmes. It's, I guess, Enola Holmes meets Lovecraft Country or something. Yeah. Let's have Henry Cavill reprise his role as Sherlock Holmes, because that would be great. Uh, Don't worry, he's not, because we we can't get anything we want. I don't know about this one. (laughs) Like, like, I want want Sherlock Holmes mysteries that feature Sherlock Holmes, not random characters that I've never seen before. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind, like, the Rapscallion people that Sherlock Holmes, like, teams up with in order to gain information, and that seems like this is who it's going to be following, but, like, they're not my main draw to that universe. Man, there's so many fucking Sherlock Holmes adaptations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. It's like every, every, every three or four days there's another one. 
It's like we get it. It's a famous it's a famous character that people recognize that you can use to sell your product. We get it. Like CBS has had or has or had elementary. Uh BBC has the Sherlock Holmes with uh Benabinch Cumberbum and Bimbadin Cumberston. And then we have some we have this now. Uh and then we also had like a Will Ferrell version, a Robert Downey Jr. version. Like how many of the, how many do we need? Do we really need more Sherlock Holmes, everybody? I don't know. I'm uh as as you know, like I'm a big fan of uh the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me. Mm-hmm. And uh they did like a patron bonus episode where they they played like an RPG that they created, which is just like they all play a different iteration of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, but one of them is also a vampire, but he's also a Sherlock Holmes. It's pretty entertaining. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. All right. The next trailer is for a docu-series called Murder Among the Mormons. Uh, It's the first comprehensive look at one of the most shocking crimes to have ever taken place among the Mormon community and the criminal mastermind behind it all. The three-part documentary series directed by Jared Hess, uh, from Napoleon Dynamite fame, uh, and Tyler Meesum from An Honest Liar fame, examines a trio of bombings in 1985 that killed two people and shocked Salt Lake City. The murders send a further shockwave through the community when a trove of early Mormon letters and diaries are found destroyed in a vehicle of the third victim, a renowned collector of rare documents, including the infamous White Salamander Letter, an artifact whose contents threaten to shake the very foundations of Mormonism. As he fights for his life, investigators race to uncover the truth. So yeah, like, Mormonism. Mm-hmm. So uh, I looked up Jared Hess, or Hess and uh, he's, he's literally married to somebody by the name of Jershua. J-E-R-U-S-H-A. Jershua. Well, of course he is. Yeah, th- so... My name's Jershua. I'm sorry, did you say Joshua? No, kind of. Yes, ish. Did uh did you know that Jesus Christ was the first JoJo? Referring, of course, to JoJo's bizarre adventure. I mean, that sounds right uh, because his name translated is uh, Joshua, son of Jehovah. So he's uh, JoJo. Huh. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so anytime I think of Mormonism, I think of the South Park episode. Obviously. That is a that dum that, dum 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 dum. So when I hear that there's a salamander letter where uh, Joseph Smith possibly got all of his information from the salamander, I just go, uh huh, uh huh. Yep, this checks out. Man, now I want to watch that uh that fucking old weird Mormon cartoon where they remixed it to be uh, "Can't Touch This" by MC Hammer. Did you, you ever see go, that video? No, you go to the weirdest parts of the fucking internet, man. I don't know. It was a meme video. I found it during college. I don't know. That sounds like you. Uh, it sounds like our friend yeah. group in general finding weird meme videos. Our next trailer is for a movie. It's called Army of the Dead, a Zack Snyder joint. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, uh, I call it Lost Wages. A group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Uh, This is a movie about what happens if you don't wear your mask. Yep. Uh, 
Dave Batista's in it. Yeah, he's starring, really. Because I, I looked at the rest of the cast and nobody really else of note. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's uh. Zack Snyder finally finished his cut, and I I can't wait for J.J. Abrams to swoop in and destroy this movie, and then to get a four-hour version of it uh, in, like, eight years. Let's be fair, it's only been, like, three and a half since Justice League. Nah, who who can really say? No one can. The, the That film's been lost to, to the ages. I don't know. I'm interested in this. Like, uh, it looks very Zack Snydery, which I- I'm sure is going to piss off a lot of people. But uh, I-, I like, for the most part, Zack Snyder's style. So I'm here for this. Yeah, it looks fine. I mean, worst comes to worst, it's a big dumb action movie. And uh, if there's anything that Zack Snyder does very well, big dumb action movies. Yeah. Uh, and the last trailer is for Shadow and Bone, a series. The Shadow Fold. To destroy it, we need a miracle. Shadow and Bone coming April 23rd, only on Netflix. Uh, this is a two-minute, 40-second trailer that basically didn't tell me anything about what the project is or what it's about. That's but true. it seems like it's, it's maybe like a, like a mage punk kind of aesthetic. I don't know, they're like on sailing ships and they have like like sort of uh like maybe 18th century style military uniforms on and stuff and they're going out they're like there's this big thing they call the shadow fold which is like just this dark cloud that is like draped across the land and they have to figure out a way to get rid of it i guess yeah i don't know uh I, I tried to read about this through uh, what's on Netflix because they had like a, hey, here's everything you need to know about Shadow and Bone. And I read it. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Maybe a trailer will help. So then I watched the two minute, 40 second trailer and that didn't help either. So I, I just have no idea what this fucking show is. Even the wisest cannot say. For the mirror shows many things. Things that were. Things that are. And some things that have not yet come to pass. Sorry, I'm very deep into Lord of the Rings right now. No, that's fair. Uh, it's actually been really interesting because Ashley has never seen them either. And if, you know, you guys didn't do this, this it, like that was going to be a Dan Makes Ashley Watch series was the Lord of the Rings. I was never going to do a primer episode where I talk about the creation of the universe. But I was just going to show her the movies be like here. Look at it. Hmm. Well, it's important to me, Dan. I mean, it's important to you. I I don't give a fuck. But I did listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I hate and love the lore of Tolkien verse as I hate and love myself. That's true. I, I don't know. Uh, the lore is a lot of alphabet and noun soup, and it's just like Flim Flam went to the Florgal Slop, and yeah. he was encountered there by Yimbadam. Yimbadem hates the, the the Orkin tribe. He really does. I just created a fantasy universe, everybody. I hope you're excited for my nine uh, book saga, which will then turn into uh, 42 movies. 
I just needed Gerald to understand uh, who Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, was. I, I, I would, I would pay so much money for just the webcam feed of Gerald listening to you explain all of that. So much money. <laughs> just with, like glazed over eyes. He, he glazed over a lot of like pinching the bridge of his nose, like rubbing his forehead, like taking a smoke break like like he he thought he thought 50 shades was something man he had no idea also gerald stop posting your fucking episode first and then giving me the raw audio you monster it really seems like he just does it because he hates you it's probably true okay um that pretty much wraps up the first segment i think it went pretty well so why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back to do our featured review for Space Sweepers. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Della Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week, Space Sweepers. All right, Space Sweepers is a brand new action-adventure drama film from Netflix. Uh, It is a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb and clocks in at about 136 minutes, so uh, take a bathroom break. Set in the year 2092, it follows the crew of a space junk collector ship called the Victory. When they discover a humanoid robot named Dorothy that's known to be a weapon of mass destruction, they get involved in a risky business deal. Uh, This is a Korean film, and uh, it's kind of like a superhero team-up, cowboy bebop, space pirate movie. Yes! Uh, What did you think of Space Sweepers? Well, I mean, uh, immediately cowboy bebop came to mind when I watched this. It was kind of like a group of rejects, almost, but... Uh, as it com- as you come to find out, like later in the movie, like they're all like technically at the top of their their fields. Like uh, Teo is like the best fucking pilot on planet Earth. Uh, uh, Captain Jang is like uh, an amazing marksman who's also incredibly intelligent. And then uh, yeah, like she invented like half the weapons that the military uses to try to kill them. Yeah, and then uh, Tiger Park is like a ruthless like sort of yakuza boss who uh will be executed upon his return to earth so uh, instead he he like lives his life in space uh in order to get away from execution yeah and they also have a cool robot named bubs yeah uh which ashley and i immediately looked at each other and we're like cool so our name has been turned into a character whatever thanks everybody <laughs> But yeah, like like I said, Cowboy Bebop almost immediately came to mind when, like, about like, what ten minutes in, just the whole aesthetic and style. So 
hopefully whoever is directing this has some influence on the Cowboy Bebop live action show that's coming to Netflix at some point. Yeah, definitely. What did you think? Um, I don't know. I thought this was a fun little romp. It's it's kind of uh like it reminded me of a a Bollywood action movie in some parts like it's just way over the top, but like uh, you know, if you're if you're in the mood for that kind of thing and uh just want to go on a wild ride, it's it's a pretty good one. Yeah, like it's it's not heavy. It's not anything. It's just kind of like Hey, here, here's fun romp, and you know, we need fun romps every now and then. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, heavy drama all the time. Like Ashley will tell me. Uh, like this weekend, I gave her everything that uh, everything that wasn't like he- super heavy, serious movie. And so, like this, this fits the bill. So if you like, if you need a change of pace from like intense drama about you know uh a relationship dissolving or uh someone's how someone grieves over a, a terminated pregnancy uh, go to this <laughs> movie yeah so basically this takes place in uh 2092 like i said uh and by that time uh there's still you know a lot of people living on earth but it's sort of just like a polluted wasteland mm-hmm. uh so there's a an evil corporation uh, called UTS that creates like this orbiting paradise, uh, and their plan is to terraform and colonize Mars and basically leave the Earth to its fate because the the owner of the company is a megalomaniac and thinks that like uh, basically he's like into eugenics. Like he says, like oh, some people are just genetically predisposed to be evil, and yep. we'll leave them behind and. Uh, just fucking ravage the earth, and I'll move the good people to this new paradise. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the space sweepers are just people who basically go around and collect orbiting junk uh, to kind of make it safe to fly ships in orbit around the earth because there's just like a century of debris floating around, uh, and they sell it for cash, but like. Since uh, this corporation is essentially the government, like they set exorbitant fees and taxes on everything. So uh, the space sweepers just kind of scrape by and compete with each other for scraps of junk that Mm -hmm. they find floating around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, the 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 Elon Musk type played by Richard Armitage, who everyone should know as Trevor Belmont from Castlevania. Mm hmm. Also, he was in uh, the Hobbit movies as one of the dwarves, but no one's ever seen those movies. Yeah, we won't talk about it here. I think he was he was uh, he was Thor in Oakenshield. Yeah. yeah, he was the dwarf. Yeah, the 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 beginning of the of the movie, like I guess, kind of like it sets up like for like this fun space romp, but also sets up the the characters as kind of like assholes because like. Everyone else is like, hey, let's all share this this piece of wreckage, and we're all going to get money off of this. And then they just come in like, nope, fuck you, everybody. Socialism's dead. <laughs> I just got to get that cash. Yeah, they're like the, I guess, I guess anti-heroes is probably a bit too strong, but like, they come in like, they're technically the villain of that situation. They're, they're sort of reluctant heroes, yeah. Like, it starts out, they're basically just looking for a payday, and they, they kind of grow into the role of uh being the saviors of mankind mm-hmm. by the end of it um 
So they're collecting this piece of space junk, uh, and inside they find uh, a little girl who uh, they see a news report that says uh, this girl Dorothy is, you know, missing somewhere, and you know, don't go near her because she's uh, a robot who has an atom bomb inside her, mm-hmm. uh, and will fucking destroy everything if you touch her. Uh, so they realize that you know she's valuable. And, like, she's not immediately blowing up in their face, so they try to sell her for $2 million so that they can uh, pay for things. And they kind of, like, by degrees reveal, like, each of the characters' motivations and stuff, which, you know, I thought that was paced pretty well. Like, you're you're always on board with the characters, but, like, uh, you don't really start thinking that they're good people until, like, late into the second act. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite kind of, like, turn is from tiger park which was like that he is this like former mob boss but then like he's really like this sweetheart to this girl like their relationship is super cute throughout the entire movie yeah let let's be clear tiger park is clearly the best character oh well of course like also like it's uh it's a callback to like uh kind of like in kung fu hustle like the axe gang like, he just has a fucking hand axe that he uses to fucking beat people and stuff. And, like, I also really like the, uh, like, kind of the division of labor on the ship. So, like, uh, Teho, who is the kind of the main character, um, he's the pilot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Captain Jang, she's, you know, she owns the ship and runs the crew and everything and probably does something while they're actually on missions uh, besides complaining. Um. And then Bubs the robot is the guy who actually like climbs out onto the ship and like harpoons the wreckage so they can reel it in. Right. Uh and then Tiger Park runs the engines. And like it's like uh an old timey diesel sub. It's like, gimme all gimme all she's got. And uh he'll like pull a bunch of levers and shit and like kick everything into twelfth gear. <laughs> right. So any time that they have to fly away from something quickly, like it's it's just a joy to watch because it's like frantic action scenes of a guy working on an engine. Well, I I really love like the almost anime aspect to it. Like it, it really does feel like an anime. And that's kind of like why I was saying I hope what they do with Cowboy Bebop is similar to this, because like it it does show that the anime style can work in live action it's just it like it has to be handled with care because otherwise people are going to check out and i didn't check out like i i wasn't like oh this is anime and disparaged it i went oh this is anime and was like really into it from that yeah that's that's kind of the same vibe i got from it like it uh if this had been a a movie adapted from an anime series like it would have been one of the ones that actually worked, so. Yeah. I don't have really much else to say. Uh, I do want to talk about the ending, so, like, I will, we will put a spoiler thing here, but uh, is there anything else you want to say before we do that? Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into, in a spoiler bit, like, actually what happens in the plot and, mm-hmm. like, what it turns out, like, they kind of find out what Dorothy actually is, um. So, like, I don't want to spoil that yet, but uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, like, the UTS killbots. They're, like, these humanoid robot, yeah. like, super soldier SWAT team things. 
Uh, they look really cool, and like they they use them to pretty good effect in the movie. Yeah, and they have the one who's called uh, Camille or Camilla, uh, and she's the most the most lethal. Although, like, I'm not sure if they're actually robots because I I'm fairly confident. I, that I thought Teo, they were sort of like a cyborg type thing. I thought Teo they showed Teo wearing like similar armor to that, so I I just assumed they were like a, a soldier program almost. Yeah, it doesn't really say, but yeah. uh, they're really cool. All right, let's uh, let's do some ratings and then spoilers. Uh, I'm going to give this three and a half. All right, uh, I am going three specifically because of the ending. Uh, that ending really brought it. Like, I was having a good time, and then the ending happened. I was like, oh. Well, yeah, they, yeah, they do like a double bait and switch. It's like, eh, I, I wasn't a fan of it. Like, the, the ending, like, it's not like it's unearned because they uh, they use things that were established earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's also like, yeah, okay, I get it, you know? Right, exactly. And we'll talk about that right now, uh, because it's spoilers. Thank Let you. me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like, no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could Son just play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Okay, um, so they find out that Dorothy was, uh, she's actually a human, uh-huh. uh, and her... Her actual Korean name is Kotnim, uh, and she was the daughter of uh, a scientist who had some, like, degenerative uh, nervous system disease. Uh-huh. And to try to save her, he injected her with some nanobots that repaired her, her nerve connections. Uh, but it also turned her into uh, a superhuman because she could communicate with the nanobots inside her body and use that to control other nanobots that were apparently everywhere in this. So, like, um, she could, like, repair plant life and stuff and, like, cause life to flourish. And uh, she does other things with nanobots throughout the movie. And, uh, yeah, nanobots. It's nanobots. Like basically, uh, she's a superhero. Deus Ex nanobots. Yeah. Literally, God from the machine. Yeah, so, like... The other thing is, like, we know Richard Armitage is a bad guy, but also he has, like, this condition where, like, shit, like, gets in his veins and he starts, like, hulking out almost. Like, he gets, like, they they put an effect on his voice and... Yeah, he's a a Jekyll Hyde type. I don't think that's ever explained as what what the fuck is going on with him. Or if it was explained, I wasn't in the room. That's probably what I actually thought, too, but I wasn't quite sure. I was just like, what is... Richard Armitage doing like what's what's up with him why is he the way that he is although he's 152 it it doesn't really explain it because it's you know just like a gonzo action movie but like they needed him to be the bad corporate guy but also be a physical threat because he gets directly involved towards the end and they have to fight him yeah but I don't know why they had to make him a physical threat considering you know it's a space game uh, a space movie and everybody's in space, so just make him somebody who has a better spaceship than they do. Which they do. Yeah. So, like, th- I don't feel like there was any real reason for him to be a physical threat. 
I don't know either. I mean, it's fine. Uh, he he's a, like yeah. I I I don't care either way. Like his his whole thing is like I'm egomaniacal billionaire guy who also is trying to play God by destroying Earth and you know only allowing certain people to live. Yeah. So the the bad guy's plot basically is to like end life on Earth to force the survivors to to go to his new Eden with him on Mars. Uh, by basically taking this uh, factory that's like out in orbit around around the Earth, uh, and he's gonna put the girl on there and detonate a nuclear bomb and send it crashing into Earth, where it'll basically wipe out life on the surface uh, and make the planet uninhabitable. So people have no choice but to follow him to the new utopia. Um, it's a, it's kind of convoluted, but you know it's just whatever, right? Um, and also, he gets rid of all the people that say, you know, like that he feels are inferior, whether through like their monetary factions or like it's because like they're not quote unquote good people. Yeah. But like the counterpoint to that is like, clearly, if we just use this girl's amazing gift, like we can have her help us. Right. Uh, reestablish Earth as a livable planet. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the the plot of Sonic Adventure 2 with like Eggman's fucking space station that was going to blow up the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And then he blows up part of the moon and then Biolizard. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then some crunchy jams played and you you defeat the lizard and save everything. Huh. And then everyone goes Super Saiyan, and then and then yeah. the bio lizard and the, attaches and itself they, to the and space then they station. Make a, and then they make a Shadow the Hedgehog game, yeah. where, where he, he has, has guns. Where he has guns for some fucking reason. <laughs> uh, man, people will never get over Shadow the Hedgehog. What the fuck? I have never played that game, and I kind of want to. I'm not going to lie. I've never played it either. We should do a let's play of it sometime. Oh my god, yeah, we should. All right. Uh look for that content at some point. Uh so the very end when, you know, Richard Armitage is uh chasing after them in a spaceship as they try to fly uh their spaceship as far away from the impending Im- exploding hydrogen bomb as possible. Yeah, uh, cuz uh basically like if if they don't get the bomb far enough away from Dorothy. Uh, like the EMP blast from the nuclear bomb will kill all the nanites in her body and uh, she'll get sick again and she'll die. So they're trying to save her life uh, by flying as far away as possible to to get her out of the range of the blast. Yeah. Uh, and bad guys trying to chase after them and get her back so he can put her in the exploding room. Right, because he doesn't want Earth to exist anymore. He's just like fuck Earth. I'm, I'm done with it. Mars. <laughs> he, he's like he's like Dave Chappelle uh, when he's Black Bush. He's like, write this down. M A R S Mars, bitches. Uh, that's a great <laughs> Chappelle, Chappelle show bit. Everyone should watch Black Bush as soon as possible on Netflix right now. Uh, so, like, they, the the cool part of this ending is that they do a full-on bait-and-switch. Like, Dorothy was actually left uh, at the factory on Earth, and they were hauling the bomb the whole time. 
And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't expect that. And then they were all ready to die. Yeah, so it basically was a suicide mission to draw the bad guy away and get rid of him and uh, save Dorothy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then technically they're all redeemed from that. Like, Tiger Park uh, like was a big tough guy about to sacrifice himself for a young girl. Uh, Teo and, was... And the whole crew is like, you know, I love you guys. It's been an honor to fly with you, and mm-hmm. you're my best friends of all time forever. And they have a big sentimental moment, and then the bomb goes off. Yeah. And and I was like, wow, that's a hell of an ending. And then a, a red thing showed up, and I was very mad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it was established earlier in the movie, they have to fly through, like, this this piece of space junk that has, like, all these uh, different kind of nanobots that just, like, eat everything. So it's like this big red miasma floating in space that they, like kind of inadvertently fly into mm-hmm. uh and Dorothy has to like control the nanobots to to stop the ship from being torn apart uh so they establish that she can control those things and you know protect the ship or whatever uh and that also those nanobots are indestructible like completely apparently cuz they can yep. survive a a nuclear explosion yep uh and like the, it doesn't do the established thing that, like, the nuclear bomb would destroy the nanites and cause Dorothy to die. Because, um, like, she somehow from, you know, 5,132 kilometers away controls these and encases the ship in them. Yeah. Uh, and then yeets the ship back to them. So they actually survived and everybody's very happy. Yep. I was, ah, I hated that. I, I just, like... I understand that you don't want to kill your main characters and potentially continue the franchise. Like, cause there, there is franchise potential here. I, I totally understand that. Also, like, they had already killed Cottenham's dad in the movie, so, like, she would have just had nobody. Yeah, I guess so, like, that's it's true. It's nice that she gets to have a family at the end of it. Uh, but, I don't know. I, I just felt like it was trying to have its cake and eat it, too. Yeah, it's uh it's a bit cheap and a cop out. Yeah. It's the uh it's the extraction ending. Yeah, I guess. But, uh, um I don't know. There there is some stuff about the ending sequence I like though. Like the the robot bubs throughout it like was saying, you know, he wants to be more human or whatever. Uh and was like doing makeup on the girl and stuff and mm-hmm. like let her put makeup on him and I say him, like, I don't think the robot's necessarily gendered or anything, right. but, like, uh, he said, like, there I go again. They said that uh, they wanted to get skin grafts to, like, appear human. Uh, so they do at the end, and yeah. uh, uh, the robot becomes a very beautiful woman, which was kind of a, a pivot that I didn't expect, and it was, it was uh, you know, it's obviously kind of played for laughs, and uh, it worked for me, you know. It's like, oh shit, you're the robot. Well, Cottenham at one point says, hey lady, to Bubs, and Bubs goes, oh, you noticed. And I'm like, wait, what? Because, like, Bubs has, oh, yeah. like, a, a male voice the whole time, so I guess it's, like, a, a transgendered kind of thing. Like, even if there wasn't, like, even if there was a gender with uh, robots. See, I, I kind of took it more like uh, Data's daughter from Star Trek TNG. Like, oh, you 
you're a, a created life form, so you get to choose your gender. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, like, I like everything that wasn't nanites protect the ship. That, uh, like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's my main problem with it is, oh, nanites protect the ship, everybody's alive. Cool. All right. Well, that's Space Sweepers. Yeah. Fun little movie. Wouldn't mind seeing another one, or at least like this create, like I said, this creative team being on Cowboy Bebop in some way. All right. Uh, speaking about space garbage, uh, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about 2005's Doom. clips made you wish for the good old days of tv i've got great news rabbit ears tv podcast is back each episode we look back on a beloved series ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics with the help of a super fan guest host we will review discuss and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on tv you can follow the show on twitter at rabbit ears tv pod Join the Couch Potato group on Facebook and check out our episode archives at netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts. And when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into a cautionary tale of Netflix. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix. We're Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. That's right, and I made you watch Doom from 2005. It is an action horror sci-fi movie and a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's as good as Tall Girl. Space Marines are sent to investigate strange events at a research facility on Mars, but find themselves at the mercy of genetically enhanced killing machines. Uh, it stars Carl Urban, Rosamund Pike, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Doom? Alright, so uh, I want to handle the review this way. Uh, let's talk about the one interesting part of the movie, and then talk about everything else, which is all garbage. Uh, we are, of course, speaking okay. about the five-minute-ish uh, first-person sequence. Yeah, where it actually uh, kind of mimics the game pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so it puts you in first-person view of our main hero, played by Carl Urban, as he uh, goes through the ruined facility and just uh, shoots a bunch of uh, alien monsters with his assault rifle and zombie scientists and uh, all kinds of things. So yeah, it's very cool. It 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 honestly holds up. Yeah, I was I was really <laughs> surprised because like I remember seeing this before and being like, man, I really like that first person sequence. And but like I've also seen like hardcore Henry which is all, almost entirely shot in first person. And I was like, this movie isn't mm -hmm. very good. So I was concerned. But I think the, the first person-ness works for a shorter time period like this. Like, it's cool as a gimmick. Mm -hmm. 
and, and, a, and a, a short-lived gimmick, not one that runs for 90 minutes. Like, I'm genuinely shocked at, like, how immersed I felt in that. Like, with Hardcore Henry, it was always like that, oh, I'm walking through the eyes of some other guy. This, it kind of felt like I was playing old-school Doom. Yeah, it it most closely resembles the aesthetic of Doom 3, so. Yeah. So that's the good part. Let's talk about all the garbage. Yes. Uh, uh, so you get your your aliens space marine team uh, full of a bunch of characters that you'll forget about immediately. Yep. Such as the kid who is the newbie. Uh, we got goat who is like a fucking gross old man who talks about, you know, wanting to have sex with a bunch of lady boys because this movie uh, was before the woke time. Yep. Yeah, um, he, his his character does not age well at all. <laughs> uh, we get a couple other characters that are basically cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock plays Sarge, who is, you know, the the scrappy leader of the outfit. Uh, and then Carl Urban is John Grimm, who... Um, also has a call sign, but I don't remember what it is. Reaper, get it? Reaper, as Grim, in Grim. Reaper. Yeah, and even Rosamund yeah, Pike makes right. fun of that in in the actual script of the movie. So it's like somebody like somebody rewrote like Rosamund Pike's part where she's like Reaper, as in Grim. Like almost as like, hey, the stupid person who who wrote this part of the script uh, for Reaper. Uh, got replaced by somebody who understood, but also, you know, is equally dog shit at writing a script. Mm-hmm. They really go out of their way. Like, they just Resident Evil the shit out of this thing. Like, it, yes. it really has only, the, like, the most tenuous link to the video games, which are very popular, but, like, mm-hmm. they make it a bunch of, like, sci-fi garbage <laughs> instead of, you know, making it an adaptation of doom so like when they're going to mars because you know carl urban knows that his sister rosamund pike works there uh he says like oh i guess you have to face your demon sometime and winks at the camera uh demons do you get it do you get it it's doom they they, they say hell a lot they say hell a lot you know the one character is like hyper religious and at one point says, God damn it. And then uh, cuts himself because he's crazy and he took God's name in vain. Yeah. What else? I don't know. They they go to <laughs> fucking The Rock, like, cuts off a scientist's hand that, like, was dead and uses it to get into the advanced weapons lab. Oh, no, no, no. He, uh, he, he, f- and, he found that, actually. Like, it was already cut. Like, right. Uh, yeah. What's this fuck? Uh Carmack, Dr. Carmack, uh, obviously yeah, a reference for like John Carmack. It, carrying around. John Carmack, who worked for id Software and coded the engine for the original yep. Doom, yeah. Yep. But, uh, so he uses the hand to get into the weapons lab uh, and gets the cool weapon and he sees it and says, big fucking gun. It's like, thank you. Because it's the BFG. Yeah. Well, so I that part, like, I don't know if you played, like, Doom 2016, but, like, that sequence seems like oh yeah so i hundred percent of that game the game's amazing yeah that game's awesome but like that that sequence is exactly how doom 2016 feels like someone went this is how our movie should this is how our game should feel a hundred percent of the time because like that's how little 
the the um oh god uh, what is it uh what what do they call it? doom guy i guess uh, i think it's like his colloquial in, term uh, in 2016 it's the doom slayer the doom slayer but like that's his general like feeling for the entire thing it's like i don't fucking care give me this hand i want this gun who gives a shit like it like yeah, it's almost like tear. there's almost like an apathy in that sequence and like that's outside of the first person scene that's the best part is when there's just like it's embracing like the kind of stupidness of the the whole thing man what is the greatest music ever in a video game and why is it bfg division man that whole doom 2016 soundtrack it's so good Oh, it slaps so fucking hard. Uh, Still haven't played Eternal. It's on my to-do yeah, list. Same. My to-doom list. There you go. Man, this movie really is trash. So, like, they they find this portal on Earth that was, like, buried under some ancient ruins, uh-huh. and it leads to Mars. Uh-huh. So that's how they establish a, a base on Mars, because they found out that, like, people used to live there, and they apparently fled to Earth to escape, you know, what happened there, they find out. Uh, so, like, they find, they call her Lucy, referencing, like, the old skeleton that was, like, a human ancestor yep. that was archaeologically significant. Um, and they they scan her DNA and find out that she has a, a 24th chromosome, which makes her superhuman. Um, yep, that's how the chromosomes work. So, like, sure. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't I give mean, you cancer uh, or anything. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't give a shit. Like, they're making up their own science. I don't, I don't fucking care. It's fine. So that all happens. Like, the scientists, like, try to replicate this chromosome and inject it into people. But, like, <sighs> again, like, it it reacts with your genetic predisposition towards your, your moral uh, alignment, I guess. <sighs> Oh my god, um, so it's another back one. To space sweepers. Oh god. What what is it with, with yeah. these like unintentional uh double features that we've had like over the past few weeks? Yeah, right. Uh so basically bad people turn into monsters and uh good people turn into superhuman killing machines. Like Carl super Urban. soldiers. Yeah. Um yeah, so basically like the, the showdown is like you have to get Carl Urban jacked up on this so that he can uh, put you into first-person view and be highly efficient at killing all of the zombie scientists and random monsters that, like, kind of look like Doom monsters. Like, one of them's supposed to be the Hell Knight, and, like, one of them looks like like an imp, but they they don't really look like Doom monsters. They're just, like, a, a, a hollow simulacrum mm-hmm. of uh, actual stuff from Doom. Well, and then you have Pinky, who turns into, like, the Hellhound thing. Yeah, there's there's Pinky. Yeah, Pinky was a monster in the original Doom. Um, which, like, I guess in Doom 3, like, it was sort of like that, where, like, the back half of it was, like, cybernetic. Or something like that. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what, what Pinky from Doom 3 looked like, because I haven't played that game in a very long time. But... So, yeah, that's all, uh... That's all your callbacks slash references. Uh, also, Carl Urban gets the chainsaw at one point yeah. and he cuts Pinky in half, yeah. which is neat. Yeah, he severs his uh, robot spine that's also a wheelchair thing. Yeah, because he was 
in the early days of using this arc portal, uh, he, like, his top half got sent to Mars and his bottom half got sent to some other galaxy. Mm-hmm. So he's just uh, a torso on this, like, robotic wheelchair. So uh, I, I do want to s- speak about the movie in general in terms of, like, performances. Uh, I don't think my this is probably my least favorite rock performance ever because for three quarters of the movie he's unfun by the book squad leader and there's no foil for that because no one else among the squad is very interesting the only time the rock becomes interesting is when he morphs into the villain which is like that sequence Mm -hmm. where he's like did you kill everybody kid and kid's like no He's like, why didn't you do it? You're disobeying a direct order. He's like, I'm not murdering these people. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to be the asshole now and kill you and then go kill all those other people. Like that, that's when that character became interesting. And that's when The Rock actually started to do stuff. But before that, I'm just like, oh my fucking God, The Rock is so boring. Like he had, he played that exact character in uh, Fast, Fast and Furious 5. Except, like, he actually had fun. He had a personality. I wanted to watch him do stuff on screen. In this, he was just fucking boring. Yeah. It's true. That's it. Everybody else is basically, like, <sighs> either not talented or sleepwalking through it. Like, Carl Urban is basically sleepwalking through this. So is Rosamund Pike. Uh, the guy who plays Joe Chill, who is Scumbag McGee, who says, hey, I gotta <laughs> strip search you. Uh, that guy, I mean... I guess he's playing the character all right, but it's the fact that it's 2021 and that character is in a movie and we all recoil at it. Man, he was Joe Chill, wasn't he? Yeah, Ashley had to point that out for me. I was like, oh my god, he was. But, I mean, it was very obvious that he was going to be a uh, a slime ball because he had slick back hair. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yep. I don't know. They, uh... They have to establish, because it's the future, uh, they have nano walls, which, like, I don't know why you would have a nano wall instead of just a door, but it's, I guess the wall is made up of tiny nano machines that can, you know, widen their molecular compositions, you can walk through it, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can seal it. Uh, and the only reason that that happens is so that you can have a monster that gets sealed inside one. Yeah. It's so, like there's just half a monster sticking out of a wall. Yeah, it's looking like Han Solo in uh, Empire. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, but also it's Dr. Carmack, so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Dr. Cormac McCarthy, author of The Road. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't have anything else to really talk about with this. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it's pretty crap. Yeah. And what would you give it? Uh, like one and a half. Yeah, I, I give it uh, one and a half as well. Uh, the half being for the first person sequence, which I specifically told Ashley because she was very disinterested in this movie. Uh, but I'm like, it's the first person sequence. You have to sit and watch this. And she's like, you've seen this before? I'm like, yes, of course I saw this before. It was a video game movie. Of course I watched this. Uh, so she sat there. She watched it. And then promptly went to go do dishes, which she fucking hates doing, instead of watching the rest of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm excited to hopefully be entering the era of good video game movies. Well, yeah, let's hope. We're, we got enough video game adaptations coming. Detective Pikachu was pretty decent. 
Yeah. Fucking Sonic wasn't bad. Yeah. Like, I, I genuinely enjoyed both of those movies, so if they can do that, they can turn a good video game into a good movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. I still think uh, video games should go the way of... Uh, well, I think Doom actually could make a decent movie if they did it right. But, like, there, it seems like the the series is going to be the way to, to do a video game adaptation and not yeah. a, a full-blown movie. I don't know. If they do a, another Doom movie and, like, pretend that this never existed, like, they have to make it so fucking bloody. I wouldn't mind if Carl Urban was still the Doom Slayer, considering the fact that they gave him the... And I know they'd have to, like, retcon the whole thing, but, like, if, if they made a continuation of this and Carl Urban was the Doom Slayer with the 24th chromosome, I would be okay with it. But he'd have to be on his own. Like, I, I, I could not have him in another fucking squad. And that thought killed the Caleb, and he's now left me forever. I I don't know. I'm just thinking about, like, the the extra chromosome thing is almost as awful as, like, in Shane Black's The Predator, where, like, the goal of the Predator was to get the genes from the autistic kid to evolve themselves. <sighs> well, I never even watched that movie, so I, I'm sure Shane Black just basically stole that. I was so that. mad about that movie. I'm sure St Shane Black was like, oh, this is a cool thing from Doom, and everyone's like, what? And then she was like, yeah, the, the chromosome thing is like, what? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Let's never talk about this movie again. That's, I'm fine with that. Uh, Dan, what are we doing next week? Next week on the show, we are uh, doing a, another lady double feature with uh, Moxie, the Amy Poehler directed movie. And Bubby will be joining us for that because she is a woman. Yeah, and she'll get to yell at me for all the things that I did to her this week. That's true. And then on the back half of that, the other movie that we were very interested in through uh, Downstream was Sentinel, a French movie that uh, feels kind of like John Wick and Taken uh, and all that other stuff. So we were interested in checking that out, too. So we're just doing it. Yeah. Uh, tell them stuff about the show, Dan. You can find us at NetflixandSwill.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, and also all things Dalib and Can Productions related, which includes Stacking Triggers and uh, Rabbit Ears TV Podcast. You know, check out both of those shows. They need love. Uh, also, review us on Apple Podcasts. Review everything on Apple Podcasts. Uh, all, 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 all those shows, whenever they're available. And uh, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. That lets us know that you love us and... You love what we do so much that you, for some reason, have given us money to do things. Yeah. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, uh, which is how Ashley feels about us talking about Magic the Gathering for 14 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Should we just start the Moxie review by talking about Magic the Gathering for 14 minutes? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I can talk about the Moxin which are uh, a set of magic cards from way back in the history of the game. <laughs> she she would fucking come into this room, into my room, and just start beating me to death. All right, that's all. That's the whole show. You made it. Congratulations. Um, until next week, this is Caleb Singh. We'll see you next Tuesday. 